0: Hello everyone, welcome back to the second episode of the Local Matters Podcast. I'm Patrick, and I'm here again today with Charlie. Hello. And Ethan. Hi. And today we're discussing regionalism. Now, regionalism itself as we're discussing it is the structuring of nations with a focus on their smaller regional cultures and identities, allowing for the people of these communities to have a say in what's going on around them. An example of an identity like this can be the distinct culture and identity of people in Cornwall, being vastly different to those in the rest of England. Now, currently, our Parliament represents 66 million people, and within that, your MP is a fraction of the voices to be heard, and you represent a fraction of the votes making up your MP's constituency. There are lots of regional movements which try to rectify this problem trying to create a greater independence for regions to decide their own affairs amongst themselves. A prime example of this is the Cornish party mebion Kernow, which advocates for a greater political independence within Cornwall, similar to that that's already had by Wales and Scotland. Do you guys know of any other political parties that advocate for something similar?
1: Well, there are quite a few, I think, especially in England. You have the Yorkshire Party as well. Um, Wessex Regionalists is another group. There's also the North East Party, and I suppose you could include the English Democrats in that group because mm-hmm. they wanted English Parliament. In Wales as well, you know, there's the classic Plaid Cymru, but there's also a group called Clijs Gwynedd, which is a regionalist party for North West Wales. That's the Gwynedd region. I think you could be tempted to include the SNP in that, but for reasons that we'll probably go into in a bit, I wouldn't count them
0: as truly regionalist. No, yeah, I I definitely agree with that. And I mean, of course, I'm proud to represent the Yorkshire Party, but um, no, the SNP and and Plaid Cymru, I think to a little bit of a lesser extent, I wouldn't argue are very good uh, examples of regionalism. And I think that comes down to largely um, the nature of of considering Scotland and Wales as independent nations within themselves standing alone. And now I currently think that, you know, in a very globalised world, it's impossible for a country like Wales or even Scotland, really, to be able to to stand alone politically. And I think, within that even, the, the countries are far too big to even be able to manage their own local issues still. So I think that's about striking the balance between finding that local identity and representation, but also being able to function on a global scale. And now I think even the UK is guilty of this to an extent. But I think that seeking a greater level of regional independence within the uk in the uh, eyes of a british federation almost where each individual region has more independent authority over their given region such as the devolution already had in scotland and wales but being shared all across the uk such as the formation of an english parliament founded uh, or the idea founded by the english democrats uh, which would allow england to have their own independence, say and what happens in england rather than having english matters be devolved by MPs in Scotland and Wales. I think that giving each region its own say over its own issues and problems will allow a much better representation of the actual interests of the people within those distinct regions. What do you think about that, Charlie?
2: I think it's absolutely necessary, as I'm sure that any supporter of local matters would agree. It's not just about having your voice heard in such a massive political body, but to be represented accurately as well. How can how can you say that your MP represents you um accurately? And if they do, how could they represent everyone within your constituency? A constituency right now has so many different people in it, and to claim that a single member of Parliament can represent them all accurately is absolutely absurd.
0: Yeah, I mean we touched on that on the last episode, talking about, you know, how large these regions have got and how hard it is for an individual MP to be able to um to handle that many people. And I think, you know, R MPs are overworked, and you'll find you know great MPs who really do care about the communities. But I don't think we're currently in a situation in which those people can actually you know they're not within a system which which benefits their ability to to serve the community. Um, you know, I think creating regions within England and you know an English Parliament itself at the very least would really allow for you know local voices to be heard more and breaking up these regions and allowing. I don't know, the city of, of Sheffield or the City of Doncaster to have more local authority beyond their town council on, on what goes on there and having someone to answer to between, you know, the City of Doncaster and the UK Parliament, I think I think is really, really important to actually be able to handle these these small affairs. And I mean, as we constantly rush forward in the twenty first century, I mean, we've gone from you know, 100 years ago, having just a few billion people on this planet, to talking about having up to 10 billion people, you know, by 2050, the makeup of nations isn't the same as it once was. You can't have a nation be represented in such a simple way. You need much more inner politics to be able to handle the needs and, and the requirements of an ever-growing population, mm. and a, an ever-growing country, both economically and administratively. So I think you know, it, it's an inevitability. But I think that we need to, to really start having that discussion and because otherwise what's going to happen is that people are going to become politically apathetic as their voice does become completely echoed out in in the House of Parliament. And I think the SNP is is the antithesis of that because I think as much as you might see them as, as an independent movement for Scotland and, and that being great, Uh, for a regional uh, perspective, in reality all they see is a Scottish identity, which would be the exact same issue as if I was to see a, a whole European identity. It completely crushes the differences within Scotland, and again would propose the same problems in Scotland that we're currently seeing in the whole of the UK. That being that despite Scotland's small population, you would still again see ignoring MP MPs ignoring the actual regional differences within Scotland. I mean, a man from the Highlands has nothing in common with a man in Edinburgh beyond the fact that they both live in Scotland. Um, in terms of their you know their regional identity at least, and I think the SNP massively looks over that. And I mean, it goes back to this sort of Jacobin identity that they really hold quite quite tightly. And if you don't know what that means, essentially, Jacobinism is is an ideology which stems from uh, France around the time of the French Revolution, and if you go back to that, that period of history, France itself as a region now it wasn't the same nation state that we'd understand it today. It wasn't a, a country of people who all spoke French and all acted French and walked around in berets and with baguettes. It was a, a vastly different sort of makeup. You had... You know several different languages, very distinct regions and cultures and, and ways of life. If you imagine France having multiple different versions of Scotland within inside it, you know, cultures which are that different to their own, these were all eventually quashed by uh, the ruling parties at the time, which sought to create one unified French identity. And because of that, thousands and thousands of people lost their cultures and traditions of their region. And again, eventually ended up descending into the same sort of Almost one party system that, that we see now where these individual people don't get to have a say. There is no local democracy, there is no local representation because their local councillors and MPs either don't have the power or are far too widely spread. The legacy
1: of Jacobinism is still ongoing in France as well because as recently as in 2014, the French Parliament reduced the number of metropolitan regions in the country from 22 to 13. That's almost halving the number. And this is at a time where, as you said, the population of the world is spiralling at completely unsustainable levels. So it's, complete, it's completely against common sense to reduce the um, administrative autonomy of regions at a time when the population
0: is getting so large. Definitely. I mean, I, th- I think simply put, it makes way more sense for people within their own communities to know what is best for those communities I think that extends to regions, I think that expands to countries. I, I don't believe that people currently sat and living in London are going to know as well what serves best the people of Yorkshire as the people of Yorkshire. And I think that's that's the, the bread and butter of it really. And I think that's something that we need to I think we all really already know that, but I think that's something that needs to become a political reality as well.
2: I mean we do have we do have some systems already. Um, you know, we do have town councils and borough councils and things, but I think I think the issue is that people, myself included, don't know that much about them. I don't know about how much power they have and what they can do. But I would assume that if they could do uh, as much as I wanted them to be able to do, then people would be more aware of them. Uh, you know, Most people in my town wouldn't know when the town elections were you know, for the council, for example. Um, so we do have similar structures in place, but those need to be Strengthened and then enlarged to a, a regional basis.
1: Yeah, because unfortunately, the councils do do a lot of good work, but at the end of the day, the amount of power that they've been given is really too small for what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of councils end up being, you know, glorified bureaucratic offices. If you know what I mean, just yeah. sort of subsidiary branches for handling
0: administrative matters, but not making decisions on their own. Mm. It sort of drives them all to be redundant, really, and I feel quite bad for a lot of the people who work on councils because, like I said, a lot of them really do care about about their own communities. But I feel like they get a lot of bad rap because a lot of the time they're not able to do as much as they'd want to because, you know, asking for you know your small town in Dorset to get some support when you're competing against the entirety of the UK, it's, it's very difficult to get that done. But, you know, if if we were to instead have, as I said, something between the entirety of the UK and your small little village, it would provide a much better basis, not just for you as an individual, but the actual institutions such as the council to go to to operate from. It would be so much more efficient and allow such better cooperation between counties and towns and villages. It, It seems so common sense.
1: I mean, at the end of the day... You can't necessarily blame individuals for not knowing what's going on in the other parts of the country, because that's completely natural, isn't it?
0: Yeah. You can't
1: expect a population of a former mining town to vote in favour of policies that would desperate, that would help people that desperately need farming subsidies in Wales, for example. And that's proof of how flawed the system is that it expects people to vote as a community on a national level. Mm. We expect sixty-six plus million people to know each other like their neighbours.
0: Mm-hmm. We are running in a political system which is not designed for the type of of world that we currently live in. It is it is a relic, um, and I really hope that sooner rather than later people realise that things aren't working. And rather than trying to sort of beat a dead horse, we can talk about reform and talk about how you know we can make politics more representative and try and remove some of that political apathy that has been building up in the UK. And understandably so. And I mean, that comes down to things like proportional representation and whatever else. And I'm sure we'll get on to uh, talk about political reform on another podcast. Um, but something, something needs to happen. I think something needs to happen soon.
2: Yeah, you know, I think the tide is turning. I think that after Brexit, the next political current will be regionalism and regional devolution, at least. Um, but I think the one issue some of the current parties have is uh, they see it as secession from the nation. Um, you know, the SNP wants to completely leave the United Kingdom, uh, as do Cornwall. Um, but these these nations couldn't function by themselves, and it doesn't make geographic sense either. So I think it's very important for us to to note that, although we support regionalism and um, more powers to smaller areas, I think that maintaining a centralized and you know technically federal um, system is definitely Necessary as well.
0: Definitely, yeah. I mean, stuff like the preservation of the Welsh language; these regional cultural identities need to be maintained, uh, and Welsh people should have Welsh representatives. They should be able to decide what happens in Wales themselves, and that—that seems only logical. And I would not want to take that away from them. But I think, on a grander scale, Wales cannot function as its own independent state. So I agree with you completely. I think it needs to be a matter of us all coming together, offering everyone the rights and the freedoms that they deserve, and then working together in a federation, a confederation, as a team to move forward and, and thrive in a, an increasingly globalized world while still holding on to those very, very important mm. regional identities.
1: I think a great historical model for this would be the Hellenic Leagues of you know the antiquity because they were highly independent at the time. Essentially, every city had its own government. But in times of great crisis, especially security crisis that concerned everybody, as well as economic crises, they came together. I think that level of cooperation when necessary, as well as respecting rights of independence at other times, is really what we're aiming for, isn't it?
0: Exactly, yeah. I think anything else would be uh, go against common sense, really. I think it's, it's very natural. I think that, that way of... of um... Political existence. I think you're always going to have ambition, you're always going to want to have growth, but I think respecting other cultures, other identities, other political freedoms, I think is the fairest uh, way to, to go forward in, in uh, our current system. And I, I can't see, as you said, Charlie, uh, the tide going anywhere else, or at least I hope it doesn't, mm. uh, because we've seen all well, the alternatives to, you know. Um, you know, that regional independence are and you you create very uh, authoritarian states, generally very um, top-down states and it generally results in a a bad experience for for the people living there. I mean, if you look at countries like North Korea, these are entirely set on a single bureaucracy, entirely focused around a single rigid institution. And I mean, I'm not saying that's the way we're headed, but that's the polar opposite of what we're wanting. And I, I think we're on the right side of history, definitely. Yeah,
2: I think the system we're in now um, can quite easily generate feelings of chauvinism and toxic, you know, little Englanders and things like that. I think that I think there are a lot of people who might support, um, you know, the Scottish independence might do so out of um, dislike for English people. Uh, and while I support Scottish devolution uh, as all, you know, very almost independence, uh, I think that it very much is, like you said, Patrick, a team effort. And not, um, and not trying to distance ourselves from everyone who's very slightly different to each other.
1: I think the current incarnations of the SNP and Plaid Cymru, to a large extent, are infested with anglophobia. As you said, I mean, a lot of I think you, you just need to look at the way SNP politicians talk, and you'd see that they'd rather have someone from Athens voting on their
0: issues than someone from Carlisle. Yeah, I mean. I've heard the term used before, and I don't know if it's, it's an official term used, but I've, I've heard of Brave Braveheart Nationalism, and it's, it's sort of this very antagonistic, negationist sort of view of England, um, especially in Scotland, where where they see any attempt of, of sort of union between England and Scotland as, as nothing more than oppression, and I can I can see why why they feel that, because that's been hammered into them by the SNP and by... Um, you know, a lot of pop culture as well. I think we need to start a new dialogue of coexistence and cooperation side by side, not one under the other, or one under an umbrella. You know, Scotland, Wales, England, Cornwall, you know, all these regions need to stand side by side, hand in hand to cooperate, rather than all under one great umbrella, which of course is going to favour, let's admit it, england where the vast amount of the population sits the uk system does not work
1: yeah that's an inevitable result of such a monolithic system it's just weighted by numbers where you know uh london can outweigh all the other regions of britain excluding england of course on its own and that's why a federal model would be needed so that the british people could cooperate as you said without any antagonism
2: And following the same principle i'd like to see that cooperation from the parties who support this uh, regional and national devolution as well i'm not sure how much there is or you know i'm sure they've spoken to each other once or twice at least um but any regionalists of england or anywhere in britain could definitely speak to each other and uh, i think it'd be very powerful to see them campaigning together on what is effectively the same issue just in different parts of the country
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think, sorry, just to go back to what you said, Ethan, I think I just want to highlight something that a lot of people might not actually realize. London currently has a population of 8.9 million people. That is the city of London. And Scotland has a population of 5.45 million. That means London has 3 million more people living in it than Scotland, the entire nation. Not only does that speak for Scotland's ability to function as an independent country, but it also speaks for the, the completely disproportionate level of representation we have in the UK currently. And I can understand why the SNP is so aggressive in the way that they go about their fight for independence, because they are being completely snobbed.
2: I should never knew London was that big compared to other nations. I think that that's a great example for what we said earlier, how can you expect any constituency in London to be represented well enough by any member of parliament? when the, the population density is so high, like they've got no idea.
1: The actual county boundaries of London as well are so bloated because, yeah, you guessed it, the same issue, just it's sacrificing everything to administrative efficiency. There are millions of people that live technically within London, for example, in areas that were formerly Kent or, you know, Middlesex, which was completely wiped out places and Essex, of course. Millions of people that wouldn't be counted as Londoners, but are now simply because it's easier for administrative forces,
0: and the fact that people are losing their own, you know, identity just because of, of, um, you know, these administrative boundaries. I, I've actually seen a few documentaries talking about people who refuse to change their postcodes because they're that adamant that they're not from London, and I, I can't blame them. If you randomly got roped into being a Londoner tomorrow morning, you, you, you know, you'd think you'd roll out the wrong side of the bed. I, I can't imagine ever being sort of pulled into to a, a community and an identity that I had no part of. I mean, imagine if we all woke up tomorrow and we were Scottish, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't work. And I think trying to advocate for any sort of system of, of continuous growth like that is incredibly, incredibly narrow-sided. But like you said, Charlie, so many people don't realise how, how big the, the population difference is and how big the, the problem of representation is. Because it's swept under the rug, and people don't look at the numbers, people don't look at the facts, and people don't think about what's going on. Because people just think, oh, well, politicians don't care about me, politicians don't see what's going on, and they completely lose interest. And I think if we're ever going to get a country that's able to stand together, work together, grow together, um, you know, for stability and prosperity, people need to to lose that political apathy, and people need to once more become interested in their own, their own communities and their own regions. And I think people need to realise the importance of that, for that to happen.
1: I think it's largely the result of a loss of community spirit that people aren't more upset about this sort of thing. Because if you see in continental Europe, when, for example, when, as I said about 2014 in France, when they revoked already superfluous boundaries, They broke them up even more into, sorry, they absorbed them even more into larger regions. There was mass outcry as people felt like their ancestral identities were being erased. But I think in England, you can really tell that there's a lack of community spirit when, I'm not sure if there was a huge amount of revolt, but now there definitely isn't much resistance to the new proposals of expanding London even further, which would absorb even more Kentish people and people from Essex, things like that, because there's no feeling of regional identity, which I think we should definitely work to revive.
0: I think yeah, it's 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 disappearing among people. I think that's that's mostly a result of the younger people. To be honest, I think the older people in these communities definitely have more of a a tie to, um, to you know their regional identities. I don't think it's it's vanishing blanketly across the board. I think especially um, young people because it's not something that they've ever really experienced. They've lived very insular lives generally, and and they might have you know um being friends with the people on their street and 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 that's about the extent of the community understanding you know it's it's a product of the time that we live in and i don't blame younger people for not having that same sense of community that that older people do but i think a lot of people don't realize that it's missing and i think that's that's the biggest tragedy of it all um is that they've not lived in a, in a community which has promoted that sort of spirit. I was speaking to somebody yesterday, um, and I showed them the previous episode of our podcast. And when I was talking about, uh, in the podcast episode, about how a lot of places are losing their regional identities and how they don't have them already, um, they found that really, really worrying. They, they thought, you know, living in the small village themselves, they saw how important it was to them and to the people around them, that they actually had that community. I mean, they they used to go to the same pub and see everyone they knew. They'd help each other out, you know, watch each other's dogs when they were away. And, of course, these are small, small issues. But the the general community spirit and looking out for one another was was so vital to their day-to-day, they couldn't possibly imagine the rest of the country wasn't like that. And, of course, why why wouldn't you? I'm sure if, if anyone listening to this right now could imagine, you know, a community where everyone knew each other and was friendly with each other and helped each other out when they needed it. Everyone wants that. That's something that I don't think anyone's opposed to. Um, and I think it's something that a lot of older people still see, but a lot of younger people don't because they've not they have not been brought up in that. As the world's changed, it's not really been passed on to them. Um, but I think the coronavirus has really sort of inspired that again in people. And I think people are seeing the importance of community and change. And I think that's something that we really need to sort of as a group, pull back out on people. I think, younger people especially, that we need that same sort of counterculture that we've seen with environmentalism where young people are actually fighting to bring these communities back because, frankly, older people can't do it on their own. And it needs to start from the bottom up, really. Um, I think that's the only way we're really ever gonna see any change, and that's obviously why we're all here today recording this podcast, to hopefully try and bring about that change.
2: I think everything you just said, Really hits the nail on the head, Patrick, um, I don't think there's much more to say on this episode. Have either of you two got anything else to add?
0: No, I think, I think I've rambled for long enough.
1: Yeah, that's all for me as well. The only thing I can think about is democracy, but I'm sure this is an issue we'll tackle in a dedicated episode coming up. So yeah, that's all for this episode. Follow us on Facebook at Local Matters ENG, or visit our website, thelocalist.org if you're feeling particularly generous give us a donation at paypal.me forward slash local matters more details can be found on our website